0: Section 7 of The Art of Worldly Wisdom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Linda Sonrisa, SirVision.org. The Art of Worldly Wisdom by Balthasar Gracian, translated by Joseph Jacobs. Section Seven, 41, never exaggerate. It is an important object of attention not to talk in superlatives, so as neither to offend against truth nor to give a mean idea of one's understanding. Exaggeration is a prodigality of the judgment which shows the narrowness of one's knowledge or one's taste. Praise arouses lively curiosity begets desire and if afterwards the value does not correspond to the price as generally happens expectation revolts against the deception and revenges itself by underestimating the thing recommended and the person recommending a prudent man goes more cautiously to work and prefers to err by omission than by commission extraordinary things are rare therefore moderate ordinary valuation exaggeration is a branch of lying and you lose by it the credit of good taste which is much and of good sense which is more 42 born to command it is a secret force of superiority not to have to get on by artful trickery but by an inborn power of rule all submit to it without knowing why recognizing the secret vigor of connatural authority. Such magisterial spirits are kings by merit and lions by innate privilege. By the esteem which they inspire, they hold the hearts and minds of the rest. If their other qualities permit, such men are born to be the prime motors of the state. They perform more by a gesture than others by a long harangue. 43. 43. Think with the few and speak with the many. By swimming against the stream, it is impossible to remove error. Easy to fall into danger. Only a Socrates can undertake it. To dissent from others' views is regarded as an insult because it is their condemnation. Disgust is doubled on account of the thing blamed and of the person who praised it. Truth is for the few Error is both common and vulgar. The wise man is not known by what he says on the housetops, for there he speaks not with his own voice, but with that of common folly, however much his inmost thoughts may gainsay it. The prudent avoid being contradicted as much as contradicting. Though they have their censure ready, they are not ready to publish it. Thought is free. Force cannot and should not be used to it. The wise man therefore retires into silence, and if he allows himself to come out of it, he does so in the shade and before few and fit persons. 44. Sympathy with great minds. It is an heroic quality to agree with heroes. Tis like a miracle of nature for mystery and for use. There is a natural kinship of hearts and minds. Its effects are such that vulgar ignorance scents witchcraft. Esteem established, goodwill follows, which at times reaches affection. It persuades without words and obtains without earning. This sympathy is sometimes active, sometimes passive, both alike felicific, the more so, the more sublime. Tis a great art to recognize, to distinguish, and to utilize this gift. No amount of energy suffices without that favor of nature. 45. Use, but do not abuse, cunning. One ought not to delight in it, still less to boast of it. Everything artificial should be concealed, most of all cunning, which is hated. Deceit is much in use, therefore our caution has to be redoubled, but not so as to show itself for it arouses distrust, causes much annoy, awakens revenge, and gives rise to more ills than you would imagine. To go to work with caution is of great advantage in action, and there is no greater proof of wisdom. The greatest skill in any deed consists in the sure mastery with which it is executed. 46. Master your antipathies. We often allow ourselves to take dislikes, and that before we know anything of a person. At times this innate yet vulgar aversion attaches itself to eminent personalities. Good sense masters this feeling, for there is nothing more discreditable than to dislike those better than ourselves. As sympathy with great men ennobles us, so dislike to them degrades us. 47. Avoid affairs of honor. One of the chiefest aims of prudence. In men of great ability, the extremes are kept far asunder so that there is a long distance between them and they always keep in the middle of their caution so that they take time to break through it. It is easier to avoid such affairs than to come well out of them. They test our judgment. It is better to avoid them than to conquer in them. One affair of honor leads to another, and may lead to an affair of dishonor. There are men so constituted by nature or by nation that they easily enter upon such obligations. But for him that walks by the light of reason, such a matter requires long thinking over. There is more valor needed not to take up the affair than to conquer in it. When there is one fool ready for the occasion, one may excuse oneself from being the second 48 be thorough how much depends on the person the interior must be at least as much as the exterior how much depends on the person the interior must be at least as much as the exterior there are nature's all frontage like houses for want of means have the portico of a palace leading to the rooms of a cottage. It is no use boring into such persons, although they bore you, for conversation flags after the first salutation. They prance through the first compliments like Sicilian barbs. But silence soon succeeds, for the flow of words soon ceases where there is no spring of thoughts. Others may be taken in by them because they themselves have but a view of the surface, but not the prudent, look within them and find nothing there except material for scorn 49 observation and judgment a man with these rules things not they him he sounds at once the profoundest depths he is a phrenologist by means of physiognomy on seeing a person he understands him and judges of his inmost nature from a few observations He deciphers the most hidden recesses of his nature. Keen observation, subtle insight, judicious inference. With these he discovers, notices, grasps, and comprehends everything. 50. Never lose self-respect. Or be too familiar with oneself. Let your own right feeling be the true standard of your rectitude, and owe more to the strictness of your own self-judgment than to all external sanctions. Leave off anything unseemly more from regard for your own self-respect than from fear of external authority. Pay regard to that, and there is no need of Seneca's imaginary tutor. End of Section 7